0: I want to share something today that's related to prophetic giving and it's not necessarily about money but a giving of ourselves. Everything God did, he did with a prophetic mindset. The Bible says that even before the foundation of the world that the lamb of God was slain. How do you wrap your mind around that before there was ever an earth where there's anything created yet the lamb of God was slain. So at the very beginning God saw something and when he saw it, it is as if it was already done. Then the next level would be for us to receive it as a manifestation or receive it as him giving himself for us now. So a lot of the things that we see happening in our world, happening in us individually, is a fulfillment of the manifest ongoing timeline of the presence of God. For such a time as this, the kingdom of God is at hand. For such a time as this, you were brought into the world. The greatest time to be here because you're here. The greatest time to see the power of God manifested. As I said last week when God says, I create light and I create darkness. God created his own villain so that we would have something to push up against and resist and overcome so that the light would be greater than the darkness. Instead of succumbing to darkness and giving a place an excuse, with the light of God inside of us, we break through Because John once said in him was life and his life was light. So the life is the same as the light of God. The life being the word of God, light being the revelation of God. So his life and his light is who he is. So there's more on the inside of us than what we even realize and recognize. If we only recognize what's happening on the outside of us and we live our life from the outside in, we're going to be very disappointed and miserable. But he said, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Galatians 2, 20, I'm crucified, life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. From the inside out, not from the outside in. If you measured our life by the outside, you would have lots of reason to be upset. But when you turn and start living from the presence of God, from the internal presence of pretense, presence of God, then at that moment, whatever happens externally, the yoke is broken because when the anointing inside of you becomes greater than the pressure on the outside, the the yoke explodes. When the cares of this world become greater than the anointing on the inside, then what happens, we implode and we're oppressed and we're depressed and we press down and lose the ability to see the power of God manifested. So the yoke is broken due to the anointing and the anointing of God is resident, relevant inside of us. So when that understanding is let god arise let his enemies become scattered so the villain and whatever you're facing and dealing with is an opportunity to push back so you can have greater authority greater empowerment greater rights to the kingdom of god than you ever have before if you only know verses of scripture and you only know it theologically and you haven't overcome it it does not so much good Person can be theologically correct and spiritually void of any accomplishment of that so he that when the enemy comes in comma like a flood God raises the standard God rides on the flood Yah rides on the flood so God is riding the flood and he's given us the right to come against all the works of the enemy from doing that so we have no excuse we simply say I need to learn how to do it look with me in Isaiah 54 six. picking of verse 1 It's a prophetic statement. Sing, O barren. Why would you sing if you were barren? Unless you were seeing something that nobody else was seeing. Sing, O barren, you have not borne. Break forth into sing and cry aloud. Here's the reason. For more are the children of the desolate, the barren, than the children of the married or prosperous woman, says the Lord. So he's saying if you're barren... You should, in that moment, to overcome barrenness is not to agree with the barrenness, but to sing. You sing for what you're believing to happen. You're singing for what's getting ready to take place. So that's a prophetic statement. When you, all you do is report what's happening around you, you get what you're reporting. But when you move outside of what's, what's happening around you and you declare on earth as it is in heaven, then you have a breakthrough and you change the channel, you change the environment around you because we are environmental changers, not talking about greed tree huggers. We change the spiritual environment around us by simply is changing the language and saying what he's wanting us to see instead of keep reporting the way things appear. So he's saying, you, talking about Israel, on the point that you are barren, but I'm telling you by the Spirit, he's saying, you have many more children than the one who seems to have, uh, no, have an effortless time of producing children. One of the examples of this is in 1 Samuel, the first chapter. And Elkanai, who's, who's a patriarch there, had two wives. God, I don't know how you date it, but anyway, had two wives They allowed it. And one was Hannah, and the other one was Penina. The Bible says specifically that God shut the womb of Hannah. And her name is very specific. God, God sees, God will, God will come. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. When they, came, when they went up to the temple during the feast days, That Elkanah, which was the custom, was to distribute certain gifts for the offerings for both of his wives and his children. My mother would do that. He said, Here's a nickel and a dime for the little, you know, the offering you take in Sunday school and all those kind of things. And it was her money, but I was the one who could offer it or not give it. Think about that. God provides the offering. We are just the presenters, but we have to be willing to release it. So when, he, when it came time for them to come up before the temple and I can just imagine walking up that place because they walked every way they went that Penina with her children in tow and her children and looking really happy and there Penina was looking like the woman of shame she was desolate had no children have you ever felt like that that you walk into a room and everybody's more wealthy than you are you walk into a room and their their marriages were success and their children are happy and yet you're you're struggling with everything Shame has a power against us. But God doesn't see us that we're shameful. He sees us as right on timing because his plan is greater than what's happening at the moment. Maybe even Penina, my imagination, she would even say to him, says, Hannah, where's your babies? What's happening with you? I would go to lunch sometimes when we first started the church here and we were just small church starting out and run into the pastor I knew across town of a large denominational church. And he said, how many are you running this morning? And I said to him, I'm probably running off more than I'm bringing in. He just looked at me because he wasn't hearing. I said, I'm running off more than it's coming in. He goes, oh, good, good. He didn't hear what I said. Either that or he was agreeing with my, my demise. We baptized so many this much. We took in this offering. We did this. So all of the metrics were there with the married wife and I was the desolate child that looked like God had forsaken me and my womb spiritual womb was desolate there wasn't anything I could brag about talk about or even present up there as I was even look like called of God But what happens when you live from the inside out it doesn't matter what people are saying from the outside you just know by the spirit of God you are who you are and if you need something or someone else to define who you are you're in trouble as I said in the very beginning several months ago, God is no longer building ministries, he's building altars. We're looking to build a ministry so that we have a name, we have a Tower of Babel there that we're going to be really outside of what God's doing in the moment. But he's willing, he's wanting to build altars, which is the heart, the internal part of us that sanctifies an offering that says, here it is. Cain offered an offering and yet his altar was impure and God had no regard to his offering. So it's not about offering an offering, it's about the heart or the altar from which it's, it's lifted to the Lord. on. So when Hannah, she was so destitute, she knows the story, she comes before Eli, who was a corrupt priest, his sons were corrupt, and the whole Shiloh ministry of the temple there was corrupt. Though they had the presence of God, there was no open vision, there was nothing happening manifested, wise was because of the presence of God had left there, because of the sin nature. And yet, there was spiritual authority there was a religious goings-on and it had all the semblance of of conducting services but god was not in the place though he was in the box and the box was there he withheld himself and no no visible visitation hannah comes up before the lord eli is at this point and she's just mumbling to herself she comes to this point that she says as i was reading the scripture lord i am willing if you will give me a son, I will give him back to you. Hannah had to come to the point of willingness before God would answer the request of that. So sometimes our unwillingness could be very well resistant to what God wants to do. Why is it God answering my prayer? It's because you haven't answered his request. Because God has a request of us. It's not just a one-way dialogue. Are you willing? Will you do this? you be willing to do this? When I was first called in the ministry the word of the lord over me was i would i would uh, travel nations i would go to many other places 18 years old i was i just said in myself i don't want to leave home i love being where i'm at born and raised there i'm not going to leave home something inside of me dried up i lost the momentum i lost the passion lost the zeal of the lord because my willingness now said i'm willing to do everything you said but as long as it fits into my way and my time frame don't ask me to do anything Somehow, or another when God calls you, there's always this this breaking through mindset and and what we think it should be. But Hannah made this proclamation before the Lord, and said, mumbling. All finally, Eli mistaken her and even accused her. Again, you cannot wait for somebody to affirm you or or dish you. And he said, "You're a woman of Balah, You're a drunken woman. You're down there just mumbling." And she said, not so, Lord, just a woman that's in grief. Well, the, may the Lord grant you his request. Well, that wasn't the answer to prayer. The issue was, in her heart, she said, I am willing to give to the Lord. It was a while before uh, Hannah had a child. And then when it came time, when he's somewhere between 7 to 12 years old, he's brought into the temple, and he had a little room right outside, most scholars say right outside the, the temple or where the veil would be. He ministered to the Lord, though he did not know the voice of God. He ministered to the Lord, but he did not know the voice of God. He ministered to the Lord, but didn't know the voice of God. Doesn't that sounds like a lot of Christians. We're doing th- going through the rigors, but have lost the sensitivity of the voice of God. Now Back to Isaiah 54. The one who is desolate like Hannah, they should be singing out louder because they have a prophetic mandate from God that this is the will of God, and this is what God's going to do. So what does she do? She starts out by singing to the Lord. A lot of our, our singing is, oh, woe is me. God, how come you didn't do this? You should have done it, and I have a right to fill the We continue to stay and wallow in self-pity. Now hear me. One of the words for Philistine is translated to wallow in self-pity in regard to the giant. When the spies went in the land, is exactly what God said. We saw that, just like God said, it's a land filled with such prosperity, but we saw the giants. Even the other two spies, Joshua and Caleb, said the same thing. We saw the giants. But the takeaway was different because they didn't see the giant as in light of their shame and their self-pity, which gave them a right to feel what they did, but they saw it in light of the covenant promise. So they were prophetic in the saying "As we can go into it. God has given us the land. Here's the promises of the Lord, so we want to press forward. But there were the other ten that wanted to press back because they saw themselves and their ability in conjunction and into size matter with the giants. So when the Holy Spirit is saying to us, Sing, O barren one. Whatever it is that's missing in your life, instead of telling everybody else how bad it is and what's not there, or somebody done me wrong song, begin to sing unto the Lord as if it is already done. Sing unto the Lord like you're carrying a thousand children. Sing unto the Lord as you see it from from that end to from the beginning. From the very beginning all the way to the end. When God spoke to Abraham... And he told him to step outside your tent because you can't see anything when you're inside your own enclosure. Step outside your own intent and you look up, count the stars. If you can count them and count the sand of the sea, then this is your children. When Abraham said Abram at that time, Abram believed God. And the word belief there means to have accounted or deposited in your behalf. I have a book coming out in July, The Currency of Heaven has that in it. So God was saying to him, because you believe me, it's already deposited in your account so that you can withdraw by the authority and power of what you've sown into the heavens. If we don't see answered prayer, we're not seeing breakthrough because we haven't sown any things in the heavens. Hosea said, as the earth sows into the heavens, then the heavens will sow back into into the earth. So when you see that he's saying, O barren woman... Instead of measuring yourself bare and measuring yourself by everybody else and seeing what everybody else, the, the popular theory and the popular thing is, see yourself in the line of God. You may have never had a child, but in the Spirit you are carrying thousands. You're carrying a prophetic payload by the Spirit of God. When you have to, you look beyond where you are and you believe what you're seeing is true, then you move to the next step of that. So the first thing is, I need to believe God what he has said, and he hasn't changed his mind with that at all. all right. I want to look at uh, three things, four things that we do to have, to move from being barren into breakthrough. Let me read the next, next part of this verse for you. For you will have, you, you who have not ch- had children or labored with children, for more the children of the desolate than the children of the married. One translator reads, more are the children of the spiritually astute than the religious. The harvest is coming and they will come to those that are operating and living and dwelling in the presence of God that's living in the unseen world, not in the feeling world and not in taking popular uh, polls to see what God wants and what you want. It is operating in the kingdom of God. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Look at verse 2 enlarge the place of your tent so first of all you've got a prophetic spiritual mandate from god that he's saying you've seen it by the spirit i embrace it even so then where's the next part enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings and do not spare lengthening cords so in other words i'm giving time and space i'm giving him a tent or meeting i'm giving a place to meet with whether that is time on the calendar, operating to where I'm giving time and space, or a spiritual position place where I'm allowing God to deal with us. Because a lot of things we're praying for, but we have not given any capacity to receive them. It's always is much easier to be, give cast vision than to cast preparation, moving into what God is saying. So we're in these days that we're, we're declaring it, we're prophesying, believing what God has said, Not just vain imagination, but what God's saying. But we are making preparation for enlarging our our tent for what we know is to come. And we've seen by the Spirit it will happen and it will be manifested. I know it as sure as as I have breath right now, it will take place. Now, enlarge the place or the capacity. So my question to you right now, are you singing? What song are you singing? Oh, woe is me, crying in my beer sound song. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. That is so easy. That is a soulish realm that takes you down to the pits. And that is exactly eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But when you sing the song of the Lord it's eating from the tree of life that's based upon what God says and the power of what God can do not what the power of somebody else did to you. We'll eat from one of those two trees. And by doing so we have broken through into the point that we can have now a capacity for the Lord to do it. For instance, <clears throat> the Lord broke out revival, whether it's in your home, maybe you were in a neighborhood and you just started a prayer group and they were coming and, and they were just praying and the next thing is your house is filled up and they're, they're running over your flowers, they're trouncing over everything around you and, and you don't have a place to park cars, you don't have anything going on and you start saying, we got to stop this because this revival has become messy. So what happens is, is that are we really prepared for what we're believing God for? Are we just believing it as the right thing to say, the buzzwords we say around? Are we ready for truly for God to do that? I give space and time with my t- life and space and time with my life for God to do it, to break through and enlarge the place of my tent. And that doesn't mean having children, by the way, but it, I It it is part of the harvest that. Here's number two we're in the middle of this, starting this. And the number two is fasting. Fasting, the rabbis link it together as a, as a sacrifice of putting a meat offering on the altar. They say that as the same way in fasting in the New Testament is like, is like an offering in the Old Testament. So when we fast, we're presenting an offering before the Lord. Present yourself, as Romans 12 said, present your body a living sacrifice. And <clears throat> I don't know how many of you really love fasting. Show me a hand. Show hands. Then good. You're a good candidate for it. <clears throat> if you like it, it's probably not much of a sacrifice. But it does something that trans- transforms us, and it's always in preparation of an event to come. So we're prophetically believing what God's saying, whether that's in your home or house. You've got prodigals in your house needing to come home. Then I suggest you pray fast with a targeted expectation of what you're getting ready for. The prodigal in Luke 15, that there was an expectation, evidently, that his son was coming home, and it was a parable, and the father saw him a good ways off. He prophetically saw him. When you prophetically see something, you don't say the opposite of what you're saying you're seeing. I see my kid coming home, but he can't be also, and man, they're a terrible, rotten kid. I can't believe that he belonged to me. Somehow or another, that is is resistant to what God is saying. So by what I see in the spirit, sing aloud, sing it. My children are coming home. My children are going to be taught of the Lord and great peace should be upon them. It's the rest of Isaiah 54. So I'm declaring that even though I haven't seen it happen, but I'm living from the spiritual intuitiveness that this is what God's going to do. You were having difficulty paying your bills instead of saying, you know, I never have enough. I always me. I've done everything I can. I can't believe what's going on. You know, I'm just, I'm just poor poverty, and, and the devil's out to get me. Well, God's bigger than the devil. He created darkness. He created light. So which one am I going to appeal to? Am I appealing to darkness and say, you win, I give up, I can't do this? Or you appeal to the Father of lights, whom there's nothing missing, nothing turning, changing, and appeal to Him. So whatever song we're singing is what we will reproduce in our own life from that point. And one of the things that fasting does... It also reveals a willingness to give up our own comfort, to give up how I feel, to give up something, and I'm willing to do it. And not only willingness, but I'm going to step out and do it. On the board out there, and I'm very thrilled at how everybody responded, and you put your names on there certain days and all that, that willingness, and now I believe there's something's going to happen because we're preparing for an event, but what's the greater, you're preparing for the event, what's going to happen in your house? What do you believe in God to do? How are you believing God to break in your own house? You can't help anyone else if you haven't had an infilling of your infusion of the Spirit of God for yourself as well. All right. So the number one benefit of of fasting, it breaks the control of a pleasurable routine, whether that's food or whatever it is, to break the routine that keeps us in a cycle and we just keep running through that on autopilot and not seeing a breakthrough. Here's number two. Preparation for a spiritual event Meaning, what am I believing for? I'm fasting, but I keep this in mind because fasting without prayer is simply a dutiful thing. But when I pray that I'm targeting, I'm saying, this is the direction I'm going, this is what I'm believing God for. So it is accounted to you for righteousness sake that you're, you're pressing into that direction. Number three, fasting targets a particular breakthrough that hinders you or your family. In other words, I'm going after this thing. I'm not going to stop until I see it broken through and equivocated with that. So, again, part of the fasting that some of us need to do is fast complaining. There's a breakthrough. Fast negative thinking. Fast, in Isaiah 58, verse 10 says, And this is the fast that I call to that you would stop pointing the finger. Isn't that? You're reading Isaiah. Click over a few pages. The pointing of the finger. <clears throat> so what does that look like? pointing the finger is to blame somebody regardless if it's true or not i have to blame somebody that woman you gave me god she's the one that ate took the tree that that it was the devil who made me do it so we tend to blame and if we're blaming we're pointing the finger that means that our flesh is still very much alive and very much in control and i need to have that broken you can tell it real quick by you you walk into the house, and who left that out? Well, it doesn't matter who left it out. Let's go put it up. Who did that? It doesn't matter. Let's find a way to do it. Because when I'm blaming, that means I'm empowered and I'm in control. That's exactly what the devil wanted, was to blame. Blame the woman, blame the man, because blaming means transferring something off, of being willingly to change the situation, and I'll go put the milk up, go put whatever it is up, because I am not about to, to enhance or... Continue the blame game. It has to stop. It is part of our culture now in the U.S. in a greater way. You know, political parties blaming one another. It is continually in our hearts and minds. I'm blaming one another, blaming a spouse, so therefore I can't get free as long as I'm blaming someone else. Even if it's the other person's fault and you blame them, how would it be that Jesus, I'm sorry I can't forgive you. I'm on the cross. I can't forgive you because you did it. You did it. But he took what we did as our own sin, took the blame on himself and responsibility and then say, you dirty rotten dog, how come you did that and I've got to die for it? He willingly took that on himself. So when I blame, it's as the woman coming before the judge saying, I want my, I want my due. And then the other guy goes into the judge and saying, you know, forgive me the debt he's forgiven. But then he wants to find this guy that owes him just a little bit because I'm not willing to release that. Blaming is a huge spiritual empowerment by the enemy that causes us to not be able to hear and see the voice of God because we're so busy blaming and speaking to everybody else. <clears throat> we're getting ready for revival, folks. We're going to fast. We're going we're to fast that trash talk. We're going to fast that being in control. Fasting is to humble oneself, not to see how much you're in control. Until the flesh is broken, God will not honor the spiritual dimension He's called us to. I used to always kind of use this jokingly. Someone said, Are you fasting? And I said, No, I don't need to fast. Because the Bible said, He that has the bridegroom doesn't, doesn't fast. <clears throat> and one day I was jokingly, the Lord said, It's not funny. <clears throat> he, said when, he said, read the rest of the scripture. But when the bridegroom is taken away, then you will need to fast. So you're using that as a reason not to. And he said to get to the next level, you've got to have the next breakthrough, and that is to get past yourself. All right. Third benefit, That's, here's the fourth one. Third with is to break through a particular area that's hindering. Name it. Number four, to bring about a greater sensitivity to hear God and for guidance, spirit versus soul. Soul is the mind, will, and intellect. My feelings, justification, blame comes out of the soul. In order to have that broken through, the spirit of God versus the soul of man, and that's always the battle. The battle isn't so much of the devil because the devil can use it through the soul, but the, the battle is really of our mind, our own, our own feelings and doings, their own perceptions. And we want to retaliate. When we retaliate, we upped, we continue to be the one-upsman to where we've lost the battle and we're now seated in the seat of the scornful. Psalms 1. Now, to have a greater sensitivity to hear God and get guidance and direction that is, Moses said to those guys who were trying to tell Moses, hey, we got some guys that are prophesying. They're not part of our clique. And Moses said, I would that all of you prophesy. I agree with Moses. I would that every person in the household are prophetic people. I don't say prophets, prophetic people. That you're hearing and getting the guidance of the Holy Spirit. If you have to call an 800 number to, to, to get some guidance, shame on you. I wouldn't think anybody in this room would do that. Do you think you've got to wait till someone prophesies to you hear from God? Then a smaller shame on you. I'm thankful that we do it and I'm glad that we do it. But what's greater is that we learn how to hear God and sing aloud, prophesy over a situation, declaring on earth what he's already said about what's happening here and not feeling sorry for ourselves, which keeps us deaf and dumb. And a deaf and dumb spirit means I can't hear. So if someone prophesied to me, I couldn't hear it anyway. So fasting breaks that, that level of sensitivity. It breaks that sense of, of, scouring, of scouring at other people, which is a judgmental thought, so you can't hear God if you're judging everybody else. If you're sitting in this room even now and you're looking across this audience saying, that, that person's trash, that person's trash, that person's trash, then you are sitting in the seat of the scornful and you set yourself up for your own cursing and own demise. Because God, Jesus created them not in your image, but in his image, and he's working to perform and work his work. So when you make that judgment, you are cursed, meaning the fact is you've sown that, and a cursing shall come back, according to Proverbs 26.2. A curse can't come without a cause, but if I'm giving a cause, then I'm opening myself up to it. All right, here's number five. There's about 10 or 12 I can make, but I'll only give you five. But the last thing is to overcome temptations to break something that has a hold and a grip on us to that point. Even to the point that if you have got negative thoughts and negative thinking about someone else or yourself, begin to fast and pray and say, I have the mind of Christ, but I'm using to giving up food, which is a routine which makes me feel pleasurable, makes me feel better, and I'm trusting the Lord to break that cycle in my life. If, I don't, if I'm not fasting, it means I'm in charge I'm, I'm large and in charge, and I'm not going to do it because it doesn't make me feel good and all that. And I understand there's reasons medically for all those kind of things. You just trust the Lord through that. Some of us just need to, to fast speaking. <clears throat> I can show you how to do that. They make a wonderful product called duct tape. It <clears throat> comes in all various colors. You can choose your own color, so at least you'll be in that much control. But when we begin to overcome temptations that are that's that's blocking us from receiving what God is saying, then we're in a position now where we're making room for Him. If you're believing God for a spouse or a loved one, then making room for God to move in that is to agree with Him and not agree with what the devil's done. Not in agreement with what's going around, but in agreeing what God's done. So number one is we're gonna sing aloud. As if I had the fulfillment of it, as if I was carrying the seed from another world. And number two is I'm gonna fast until I see the transformation of that. Here's number three, three, and I've already talked about it. Making room through space or time, what you're believing for. If you're believing for more sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Do you give any time during the day to read your Bible and pray and be open to the Lord? That doesn't mean just listening to Christian music as good as that is. Anything that takes up your attention and diverting it away is not a time with the Lord. I can't have Fox News in the background playing, and you got one here and one over there. Make time and space for the infilling and the cleansing of the washing of the water of the Word, so that helps us to come into that place. We're ready for revival. What does revival look like? Revival means everything shuts her down except just the very minimal, and the Lord becomes the focus and the attention of the one that we're setting our affection on. So revival looks really great on, on the Internet, and having us walk through it from 94 to 99, it is a lot of work. Just because it's a lot of work doesn't mean it's God. Because our spirit is willing, our flesh is weak. So his whole intention is to weaken our flesh so that our spirit becomes more willing. So fasting certainly does that from that point. All right. And the fourth thing is to become an offering before the Lord. <clears throat> Duane, I want, Pastor Dwayne, would you just put up on the screen there something the Lord spoke to me yesterday that I just, just astounded me. hope you can see that. There is a connection between the roots of these two words, offering and offended. Do you see it? I want you see that. Offering and offended. Offering is a sacrificial giving coming from the tree of life. In other words, according to 2 Corinthians 9, the Bible said God gives seed to the sower. In other words, God gives seed. Where does the seed come from? The tree of life. In other words, the things that he says has value, the things that he comes from his own mouth, that he's prophesying, not live by bread alone, but every word that is prophesied of the mouth of God. Now look at the next one. Offense is a sacrificial taking from the tree of good and evil. We usually say I'm giving, I'm, I'm giving an offering, but I'm taking an offense. See the difference between giving and taking. When offense comes, that means I've taken it. I open the heart, open the door, and I took it. Yeah, I heard, felt that, I hurt that, I received the wounding, and I, I'm just allowing it to enter in. But when we give an offering, it's something that leaves our hand, goes that way the enemy knows how to contradict the offering of God by giving an offense. So the difference between an offense and an offering is where it's coming from and who's who's doing it. If the enemy is giving an offense and we take it, it is as if we've taken his bait or his offering and we've received it to ourselves and now we have been been sown into the hurt and the pain and the offense of that. How I many you know that after you get enough offenses for a length of time, eventually you'll get so caught up in that you can't even remember what I'm offended about because there's so much of it. Can't even remember why I feel the way I do. Can't remember why I'm angry. If I ask people, why are you angry? Oh, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. Because it's been accumulation over a period of time and after a period of time, that accumulation of being offended now becomes stubbornness. Seeing seen people that were offended at God because God did not respond what they believed him do. And because of that, they line upon line, precept upon precept, they heard the offense and they took it on. All right. Here's, the, here's the, how that works. So when the Lord is saying, <clears throat> present an offering before the Lord, and that's exactly the power of an offering. You look at God so loved the world that he gave the first offering. And the first offering, according to what First Peter says, First Peter 3, excuse me, First John 3, said, for this very reason, but then he goes on to say that the Son of Man was manifested so that he might destroy the works of the devil. What destroyed the works of the devil was an offering. God provided an offering, the cross being the, cro- uh, the, the table, became the altar that he was presented on, and God presented this offering. How many realize that that was the first fruits from God? You realize the fact that it pained God to do this. So he didn't send an angel. He didn't get just a bigger, fatter lamb to go do the place as it was in the Old Testament. God had to send something of himself to be sacrificial that way. So when it comes down to if we're wanting a breakthrough... Is there something sacrificial in terms of an offering, not talking about money only, but in the terms of a sacrificial offering that God is saying, I want you to present your bodies a sacrifice as an offering to the Lord. Well, no, I'm I'm not going to do that anymore. I like my life the way it is. God will come in and discomfort your comfortability to bring about prayers that you've been praying but didn't know that that would be the way it was answered. He uproots so he can plant, according to Jeremiah one ten. So in that regard, he's saying to us, "I want you to be an offering that will destroy the works of the devil. Be an offering of blessing that destroys the cursing, coming in the opposite spirit of that as well." Many years ago, and I maybe shared this before, believing my son, he was had a band, was worship, was was on the platform, played trumpet and all of that, going on. They, Got a contract playing band. They're all out there going after. Had a touring bus. Traveled all throughout the United States and other parts, other countries. But I knew in my heart that what God had called him to do. I was at a retreat. and There was a young man playing the guitar and the Holy Spirit said, do you see that? And I knew the young man. I said, yeah, yeah. He said, I want you to see your son for what you're believing for. Stop reporting what's been happening and start declaring what you're seeing by the Spirit. And I said, I can do that. And then he said, I want you to give an offering to this young man to seal it. Now, let me just state it here: you. can't buy God. You can't give money to God. You can't manipulate it because God doesn't see money as any controllable thing with him. But he, what he says, where your treasure is, there is your heart. So I said to the Lord, oh, I haven't gone to the bank, and I know what I've got in my wallet. Because he told me to empty your wallet out. And there was more money than this kid's seen in a long time. I said, I'll do it tomorrow. He'll be here tomorrow. God said, delayed obedience is disobedience. I can't even, I can't even bargain with God on this. <clears throat> if you're believing for the breakthrough, make capacity for where your heart needs to be. So I opened my wallet up and pulled out money, and he looked at me. He, he said, Are you sure? And I said, I thought, No, not really, but <laughs> God's more sure about it than I am. So here it is. I saw God working, not as fast as I wanted to, God working in the process of that. And I can tell you today, they're all in church serving God, worshiping the Lord, being a blessing to the heart of God. And he told me not too long ago, I said, Dad, if you're ever on a trip and you, know, you want me to go with you, I'll take my guitar and I'll do worship for you. <clears throat> so did I buy God off? No, it's simply saying, where, where's your heart in this? Are you willing how much are you feeling strong about this? Because there's, there's something you have to do in regard to this. Respond to them. I understand there's unconditional things that God said it's all him or none, but there's sometimes we come into cooperation to want to know where we are. As I said last week, when Gideon brought the people down to the water, how they responded to the water determined those who were going on, on into the other side. Well, those who went on the other side in the battle received the spoil of the victory of what was coming from the Amorites. So, God will bring you up to a point where it seems very uncomfortable because He knows there's spoil coming. You'll no longer be desolate. You'll have breakthrough on the other side. But if you don't go ahead and go farther than where you are right now, you'll never see whether it comes or not. The goodness of the Lord, do not faint. The goodness of the Lord in the land of your living. There's a second part of that. Let me give you four ways of giving quickly 2 Corinthians 9. As I said, God, you have seed to the sower. I don't even have to come up with it. God just says, here it is. But you're going to have to have discernment what you're doing with it. Here it is. Number one, we understand tithe. Tithe is testing. Number 10 is testing. There was the 10 spies, the 10 plagues. You look at all the different tens in the scriptures, all related to, to testing. Tithe belongs to the Lord, and it's all about testing of the heart. If you can't handle the tithe, then we probably won't go any farther than that. Because when you, he talks about when when we obey him in the testing, then he sanctifies the other 90%. So God covers when we're giving to him fully with that point. The second area of giving is the area of offerings. we heard of tithes and offerings. Well, the offering was, was seeding that was for a particular target that was on your heart. It's still giving to God, but you have the right to direct and say, I'm giving towards my faith towards this. And I know there's a lot of seed faith stuff and some of it's, I think is just manipulative. So I'm not saying we should do this to get God to do it. It has got to be in the heart, and it's got to be a thing between us and God and not just where we're telling everybody, look what I did, look what I did. It's like fasting. It's not to be announced. It's to be done between you and God. And the third area is the area of first fruits. We don't see it much practice, but it can simply, it revolves around all the festal days in the, in the, the Hebrew calendar. And usually about when there's a change of season, a harvest season. But we in the New Testament, we can do when there's a change of income, a change of season, something that we're believing God for. Nyan and I practice doing first fruits around some of the, the Hebrew calendars. And we've seen tremendous fulfillment and blessing in regard to that. But one of the area in first fruits as well means the fact is God has the first touch. He has the first right to that. And so the first fruits really is talking about uh, firstborn son, firstborn in the family, my first time in the morning, my first, everything that I have is first, is God have access to my first, or does he get whatever's left over? In other words, I talk to him first before I talk to anybody else, the first fruits from that. And uh, it's usually around when there's there's getting ready to be an increase for first fruits. And the last one is the word alms, which is the only one that is given to another person. Alms are given only to poor. It's what we would call a love offering where you can give one-to-one to to another person, and that's called alms. It's where God gives us our choice to bless someone else and let them know that we're doing it. Those are alms. So when we say a love offering, well, that means I give it to that person, and I'm in response to them. So the same way, I give to the poor. For us here, love indeed has been around for 37 years, very first day. And when the Bible tells us in Isaiah 58, if you give your food out to the poor, then your light will break forth. And he goes on to say, when you, when you lend, give to the poor, you lend to God. So we know that there's a responsibility of sharing food, taking care of the needs that are there, and not just saying, well, brother, I'll pray for you. Well, it's not enough. There has to be a manifestation if it's true love offering. I mean, I can say I love people without giving them money, but I can sure is a manifestation at times to give them something with that. By giving them, that's not the tithe. The tithe belongs to the Lord, the offerings belong to the Lord, the first fruits belong to the Lord, but the alms belongs to another individual that you want to serve and give out to that point. Now, Proverbs 3, verse 27. Don't withhold doing good when it's in your power to do it. God never asks us to do something that we didn't have the power, the ability to do it. And here's where resistance sometimes comes. When you feel the prompting of the Lord or someone that might ask you to help out with something, if the first response is, I cannot do that, and you don't even know why, you just got to think up an excuse for the next one. I can't do that. Uh, why? Because normally, we don't ask why. Well, that's your, if, you don't, if you're not willing, you're not willing. That's just it. You don't even need a why. It's because it breaks up my routine in life. It breaks up my scheduling around my life. No one told me when I decided that, you know, said, I said, hey, I want to preach. I didn't, when planning on being a pastor, God doesn't tell me everything because he knows that he doesn't want my input along the way. To say yes today, yes now, say yes and yes and yes. How did I get to this point? It wasn't because if he had told me everything that I was going to have to be ready to do and be, I would have thought that does not sound like me at all. I was nervous around people and never would speak in a group. I first came to Tyler, met a pastor, and he said, Tyler doesn't need another church in this town. You're free to go back wherever you came from. This was another spirit-filled church. Shot me down, I felt, and the Lord just said to me, did he call you? And if he did, then yeah, then you have to, right, but I sent you, I called you, and therefore, why respond to what man's control is? And we do it under the idea of I want to be under-submitted. Let me tell you what submission is. Submission is not coming under what somebody thinks. Submission means coming under the mission. And if that mission is the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God, and you're submitted to that, then my responsibility as pastor to help you find how you can fulfill that mission. Not being submitted unto a man or unto a calling or under a title, because there's no anointing there. You're submitted to the Lord God. Submit, husbands, submit yourself one to another. Wife, submit yourself to a husband. Whoa. Well, that's that hate. I know he's going to throw that in there. But here's the deal: submission only works when somebody is submitted and coming under the mission of God. So I'm, I can submit to that if. They're submitted to God and they're flowing with God. But if they're moving in an opposite direction and they're very anti-God and anti-everything, I'm not going to be submitted to that because I ought to obey God rather than man, and that's what you know Samuel and Saul got into. So when we have a breakthrough in our life, it's this point is I'm going to submit myself to God and as much as possible submit myself to other authorities and dignitaries But when that becomes an opposite direction, I'm going back to the mission. The main thing is the main thing, and that is to destroy the works of the devil. That's what Jesus' mission was. Let me just finalize with this. If you're looking for a solution, answer prayer, especially in your family, and you haven't found any, then I just encourage you to begin to make your family a house of prayer not a house of war, and we're not just discussing problems, we're looking for solutions, and the next step is, I'm going to sing unto the Lord, bless the Lord with all of my heart, with everything inside of me, and then the next thing is, I'm going to begin to fast till I get myself under control and break my own flesh. Joseph said to his brothers, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. Here's a guy that had to have a breakthrough in his life. Otherwise, he had plenty of reason to go kill his brothers. He had the authority and the motive and the means and everything said, but he came back to the fear of the Lord. God placed me here. God put me here. Why should I be angry at you for something God did? When we get past the this pointing of the finger and weakening of our own flesh—the humility comes at that point. Then God says, "I'm ready to, I'm ready to join with you, cooperate with you." Stand with me, if you wouldn't. Which is by the Spirit. See the cloud. It may look like the size of a man's hand in the air. But sniff the air. Smell the rain. It's coming. It's coming. The Bible says when a tree is cut back to the stump, at the scent of water, it will sprout again. If you feel like you've been cut back to nothing, then just smell. Begin to see begin to sing begin to bless the Lord oh my soul and all that's within me I can stop the progress of God by complaining about the circumstances where I can hurry on up by declaring I'm not barren I'm not carrying a dead womb I'm carrying preparation for the prophetic voice for all of Israel in that case Samuel Mary was going to carry the Lord who was the offering that God was going to provide but needed for her to carry it. You are carrying an offering inside of you. That may be an offering of blessing, an offering of peace, but don't disregard the offering God's given you, an offering of serving, an offering of, of willing to submit yourself under the mighty hand of God and let him see bring deliverance. So Father, we present ourself as an offering today. God, we just sense that there's something moving throughout the earth. There's something moving through our nation. And you didn't call us to be, give us a body so that we can fulfill our own pleasure or fulfill our own thing that the enemy says, oh, isn't this good when it's it's direction, leadership is going to take you down a wrong way. Today, Lord, we praise you and we give you thanks. Sing of the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord the song of Zion, the hill of the Lord, not the seed of the scornful. Sing unto him as if your life depended on it, and everything he's showing you, sing with it. You're closer than when you first believed. Could that close enough to be? This is the day the Lord has made. I choose, I choose, I choose. I was talking to my grandson yesterday, his birthday, FaceTimed him said, hello, Grandpa. And I said, hey, Holden, you're nine years old. Now. And he said, yeah. And I said, man, what are you going to do now? He said, I'm going to make it a good day. And I said, I love that. You're prophetic. He looked at his dad and his dad shook his head and said, you got it rightly, son. And I said, I love it the fact I choose to make it a good day. I'm not going to wait till somebody comes in and says something and does something and try to change the direction. I make a choice. I'm not going to take my gift off the altar that you've given me and, you, and I honor you with it. And I'm put, not going to put my, my uh, harp on the willow tree simply because the conditions and environment are not favorable to me, which was what they did then. I'm not going to look for a place to back off. I'm going to look for a place to pursue more than now. I want to be stronger now than when I first believed. Well, I've done this for 20-some years, and you ought to be stronger now than you were before not a time to back off and look for a place of, of comfort and safety and just hang out and you know so well it's going to follow your time give up your time and you're going to be on a God time Now I'm not talking about a clock thing I'm talking about that innermost being saying I want to wait till I feel right aren't you glad that Jesus didn't feel right about going to the cross but he did it anyway we crucify we sacrifice all of those feelings that we have and present them before the Lord because it becomes a greater sacrifice than ever before. In the name of Jesus, let the word of the Lord find a place in every heart, O God, to transition us into being only people that observe the wind blowing, but now those to get into the wind. Not just observing the kingdom of God, but allowing the kingdom of God to be within us great times, greater times. We're seeing healings, manifestations of the presence of God everywhere, everywhere we're going. It's not a strange a phenomenal thing anymore. It is the, it's the normal. It is the church of the kingdom of God is now at hand. Well, the ministry team, just to come back, i give an opportunity for you. The youth have already gone back, getting ready for the chili. There'll be plenty there, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. But just allow allow today to be a special time where I want today to have some significance. Not just another meeting, not just another time, believing for something to change. And then I'm believing for it, then I'm willing to give access to God and give something up or sacrifice something that I've been holding on that said belongs to me. Sacrificial giving is never never a gift until you you take your hand off on it long as you keep your hand on it and try to steer it, it's not—it's not a sacrifice. So, Father, today we bless this house to fulfill the purpose of God, and we thank you for the wind of the Spirit that we feel and sense and know the comings of the Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Also, the core team, Diane's core team that was meeting on Monday, has been moved to Tuesday. Tuesday at what time? Seven. What time? Six. Core team, those who are in the core team, at 6 o'clock on Tuesday. Just had to quickly move here. So we're moving it from tomorrow night to 6 o'clock Tuesday at our house. All right, have a good week. Enjoy the chili. Enjoy one's fellowship. Bye-bye.